G'day and welcome back to another episode of the Beyond the Fence podcast and it's part two of our NBA Finals preview and this time we're talking all about the Milwaukee Bucks and obviously I've just got Tim Ray back again. Tim, how are you? Yeah, I'm back. Although the last time I was, this could not be further of a reversal of fortunes than the last time I was here. I think the Bucks had just lost, was it the big lead in game five against the Nets? So it's, it's uh, like the postseason was, was over. It was about three weeks ago that you were last here, yeah. Now they're in the finals. Yeah, it, I mean, leading into the, the first thing I've got, well, actually, not, it's not even on the run sheet. It's my little, like, the first question that I asked. If you haven't listened to the Phoenix Suns one with David Nash, I uh, would recommend. That's a very high-level discussion. I don't know if we'll get quite that high-level with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, the first question I ask is, well, I guess it's a two-parter. It's A, I guess, how long have you been a Bucks fan? And more in general, what does this mean? Yeah, well, I mean, I just started supporting the Bucks um, at the beginning of these playoffs. And, um, no, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, probably, seriously, probably like the last, yeah, 10 years or so, as in, like, in terms of watching each game and um, a closer level of what, what I would consider following. But, I mean, in general. Um, given that my grandfather lived in Milwaukee for like 20 years. Um, it was a pretty straightforward choice there, albeit to my detriment for, for a lot of that time. Um, then we sort of fluked out with Giannis and he, here we are. Um, but yeah. And then, oh, sorry, yeah. yes. What does it mean yeah. to make the fight? Well, I mean, the Bucks have been terrible for so long. <laughs> the fact that, no, I think this sort of, the finals run at least in one sense sort of, indicates everything they've done in this short run with Giannis, like the fact that they've now made the finals in what you would consider like the, the run as a contender. It's sort of, um, it, it's a, without winning the title, obviously, um, well, that's to be known. It sort of pays off everything that's happened to this point. Um, and I guess if you're looking sort of long-term resumes and whatever, it's nice that you know, Giannis is going to have that there, a finals appearance. Um, but I mean, if you live in Milwaukee, um, in, incredible feeling to the, this team's going to go to the finals for the first time in what nearly fifty years um, after being terrible, uh, nearly leaving the city in general. Uh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, the D district's going off. Yeah, it looks it looks great. Um, I, don't, I don't know about the, how it's going COVID-wise, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I love how Raptors fans are getting pretty salty that it gets compared to their um, little setup, the setup they had out the front of their arena when they won the title. Yeah, yeah. I just find that really funny. Like this, that you're comparing Toronto to Milwaukee, like in terms of city size and population. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I assume like that. That's most of Greater Milwaukee is just crammed into that, you know, temporary. Well, I think they're getting. You're probably, I think you're getting like the same amount of people that are in the arena outside the arena plus like 10,000. Um, so yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, at least the deer, the deer district is a it's a unique name. It's not, I don't, I don't know of any movie franchises, um, called the deer district, but anyway, the, we the move Jurassic Deers. Yeah. <laughs> These uh, people go to this theme park on an island, and it's just all these carnivorous deers. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's let's move on because we could spend an hour talking about the deer district, I'm sure. But just, I guess, more broadly, coming into the season, what were your expectations? I think uh, my expectations and sort of the expectations that needed to be there for the Bucks are probably a little different. I think it's was pretty easy to be disheartened given how the bubble went for the Bucks. Um, basically, they just didn't look like the team that they were in the regular season, uh, even in the sort of quote-unquote regular season portion of the bubble. Those sort of eight seeding, although they, they meant basically nothing for the Bucks. the seeding games, they didn't look like the same team um, for whatever reason. Um, and then they sort of, they faced the absolutely inform worst team to face in the bubble. Giannis gets injured as well in that series and then they get bounced in five. Um, so, I mean, the Bucks are, are generally in that contender category. So the expectation is there that 
especially with a player like Giannis, like you need to make the finals or be conference finals year over year. Um, so that's the general expectation. Then you throw the upgrade of Drew Holiday over Bledsoe in the mix. And given sort of the collateral and the assets that you've thrown at that, I think it it is sort of finals or bust um, type thing for Milwaukee, uh, given as well that they'd re-sign Giannis. Maybe that's lessened somewhat. But then he's also, you know, he's put pen to paper thinking that, you know, we, we've got to be there contending for the next five plus years. Um, so, yeah, th- there was that general sense. But I think given fans and what had happened the previous two post-seasons for the Bucks, it was easy to uh, probably get disheartened in some sense, thinking that can this team actually get, do they have the resiliency, uh, is Budenholzer capable of taking them to the finals and albeit there is some level of asterisks over this playoffs, perhaps more than others. I think they have sort of toned that down somewhat. Um, they've taken a load of punches and, and managed to come out through to the finals. Um, so, yeah. You mentioned Drew Holiday and as I was writing the, like the run order, let's call it a run order for this show. Um, I, I noted down the Drew Holiday effect and then I was thinking, because I wanted to note, you know, the difference between him and the starting point guard last year because for the Suns, I was like, oh, you know, the difference between Chris Paul versus Ricky Rubio. And I just sat there and I didn't want to look it up because I thought that would make me a fake fan. But I could not think for the life of me who the point guard last year was. <laughs> I guess that's just how forgettable Eric Bledsoe was. But just speak more broadly on Drew Holiday and what he's added that might have, I guess, taking this team over the cap that Eric Bledsoe had on them. Yeah, well, I think the the issues with Bledsoe were pretty well documented, um, right? It just, he didn't have that that extra 10% that he could, and consistency that he could give the team in the playoffs. Um, phenomenal player through regular season, and his time in Milwaukee in general, you know, made an all-defensive team. There was a season there where he wouldn't have looked out of place on the All-Stars, All-Star team, but when it got to the playoffs, it was just... Maybe it was mental. Um, there was that stuff with Terry Rozier and Drew Bledsoe. Um, but yeah, it just didn't seem to work. And I think Drew Holiday is, is a somewhat similar player, but he's got that that extra 10% that really helped, like you said, helps put the bucks over the hump. Just the guy that we saw it in game seven against the, uh, game six and game seven against the Nets. Huge buckets down the stretch. Um, just... He does the same things as Bledsoe, but then he's able to do a bit more in the big moments. Um, just showing up in the big moments has been such a... It, the Bucks have lacked uh, guys have been able to do that in the past, and now we've seen Drew being able to do that. Chris has done it in spades, and obviously Giannis has been a bit of a constant when he's been able to play. Um, so, yeah, like I said, and like you said as well, Drew's just been that guy that's been able to give them a little bit more to help them get over the hump, similar to what you said with Chris Paul and the Suns. I mean, yeah, Drew's definitely, if anything, like, yes, they're both excellent defenders, but Drew's definitely more varied and polished offensively, which I think was probably them getting that third option, which they probably didn't have, or they didn't have to the same level. Because, you know, Drew Holiday, like, Bledsoe can hit an open shot, but he's not... Yeah. You know, he's not creating much for himself. He can just probably get downhill and bully guys, and that's, you know... Well, it's interesting as well. Um, I've seen a stat float around for, like, the last couple of weeks of the postseason that Drew Holiday and Eric Bledsoe have the same playoff true shooting percentages with the Bucks, but, like, the (laughs) performances that they've given have been night and day. Like, Drew has scored... 25 plus points on occasions. He's thrown 12 plus assists. He's had those huge shots down the stretch. Uh, it's just, yeah. Uh, although, like I said, although like the shooting may not necessarily have been there for him, he's been able to show up in the moments. And that's probably been the biggest difference between those two guys. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, there was definitely times last year where they, like the team in general, faded and Bledsoe was a key part of that. Um, let's move on to. Maybe, you know, the lightning rod for a lot of the Bucks' problems, um, at least definitely with what I see on the internet, uh, Mike Budenholzer. Um, before we get into any nitty-gritty high-level analysis with, that, you, you're, that you're obviously going to provide me, um, 
just in in general, has the sentiment changed around this playoff front? Like it has to have shifted a little bit, at least. I'd say, yeah, I guess it's shifted somewhat, but it's still, I don't know how many times I've seen like a, a tweet that says like the Bucks could win the title and they still need to fire, but like they've still got issues that they could iron out. Like they make this hard, so hard for themselves. They do dumb stuff. Like, yeah, Bud has improved this year. I think it's under, the Bucks wouldn't be in this position if he, if he hadn't. Um, he sort of, he's been quicker to adjust, but like he's notoriously not an in-game in, in just adjuster, but he's been able to, put those in place like bucks have been terrible in game ones but game two they've shown up with the adjustments yep. in place and been able to get it done um yep. so yeah i guess the, the sentiment of it has shifted so i guess it's it's more the focus hasn't been on him rather than it's shifted to be like oh we don't need to fire this guy i think <laughs> in general it's been like oh my god chris middleton's playing amazing or you know drew holiday is so much better than Bledsoe, or like stuff like that rather than specifically Budenholz is doing an amazing job because you're still you're going to see it like playing Jeff Teague in game six of the Eastern Conference Finals it's like it's, yeah I don't know <laughs> um, okay so with um, the Suns you know we went through I guess some key play calls you know uh, Monty Williams is probably known as a like a good play caller um, yeah. I've written down what are his key plays slash actions for Budenholzer, and you've just written back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm not the best person to ask this in general. Like, I I would consider my sort of uh, interest slash area in it to be more of a macro um, rather than micro play by play. But like, yeah, the Bucks notoriously don't run a lot, and then there was that period at the start of the playoffs where they were just running isolate. They'd run more isolations than like any playoff team in history to that point. I don't know whether that is, that had changed, but that was during the net series. Um, but I mean, yeah, I don't think I'm going to help you here. Um, they, they run a lot of horns, <laughs> Spain pick and roll. I don't know. <laughs> nah, I mean, well, the personnel is different as well. And I think a lot of the Bucks offense, um, you know, it's geared towards Middleton and Giannis and they're both generally isolation or, you know, beat their own man. Well, well certainly, kind of certainly with Giannis, I think they, they're forced to play more isolation because they've got that trump card of give it to this guy and he's most likely going to get you two points at the rim. Whereas after the injury, I think the Bucks have been for, they'd, they'd forced to sort of change that a bit and they look much more fluid uh, the last two two games of the conference finals. So you're saying Giannis that, was the problem? Well, <laughs> well, they play differently. Thanks for listening, yeah, everyone. It, <laughs> I mean, uh, we just start the trades now, but yeah, um, yeah, they play they play differently. They're forced to play differently. It's um, I don't know, <laughs> not much more to say there, but like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so you've already mentioned Bud's in-game adjustment ability is probably being a bit slow, but what about his rotations? What What's irked you and what have you been surprised or, you know, impressed by? Yeah, well, I think uh, from a sort of franchise standpoint in general, the Bucks took the approach this season, whether it be by design or necessity, that, like, we're only going to have seven guys that are playable versus, you know, previous seasons where Bud has played, he's gone, you know, 10, 11 deep in a conference finals game. It's like, he, he can only go so deep now, given, <laughs> um, you know, players that, that can contribute at this level. So, I mean, yeah, there, there's the issue of playing Jeff Teague. Um, but then also on the flip side, you are dealing with injuries to Giannis and injuries to DiVincenzo. So maybe that, those minutes probably don't occur without that. Uh, without those, without that happening. Um, but I mean, it, again, uh, sort of one of the knocks on Budenholzer, particularly last year, was just not playing Giannis and Chris and I guess Bledsoe at that point as well, just not playing them, playing his stars not as much as he could be. And I think that has been sorted out a lot this year. So, I mean, it's a, it's an incredible, incredible 
you know, adjustment to make, just play your best players more and good things will happen. <laughs> but that I don't think that's been, been as much of a problem this year. And that's probably by a bit of design and necessity of the way the roster's sort of set up now. You know, the Bucks have like five guys that just aren't going to touch the floor at all. So you're already down to, you know, 10 guys that might be able to play. Um, yep. So I think that, yeah, that's been less of a problem this year. But I mean, yeah, what a revelation. Play Giannis and Chris Middleton more minutes <laughs> and good things are going to happen. What about Bobby Portis then? Because he didn't play much in the Nets series and then obviously yeah. he came out and was basically the point of difference against Atlanta, especially once Giannis goes down. There was a lot of talk that the matchup probably wasn't right for him against the Nets. Yeah, I, th- I'd, I think there's there's some truth to that. I mean, on the flip side, Bobby Portis is one of those guys that will just instant energy and he always seems to come on and just make shots. Like he makes stuff happen. So maybe there was a point in the net series where he needed to at least get some sort of like that could have been tried out. Um, but I'm glad that he got his moment in the playoffs. Like he, he's, he could end up being a key piece in the finals as well. We don't know how long Giannis is going to be out for. Um, yep. But yeah, I think that was a head scratching at one point, especially when it when the series looked to take a turn towards the Nets' favor. It's like, well, you know, maybe Bobby can do something. But I mean, Giannis was still healthy at that point, so there's a lot less, you know, um, pressure to play Porter. Um, but yeah, would would you be on the gantry chanting Bobby? Oh, I definitely would. But he's awesome. Yeah. Crazy eyes, <laughs> I mean, yeah, his performances in, uh, I mean, the Eastern Conference Finals in general. Um, that's you know, legendary Buck status right there. Even if he doesn't <laughs> return for next season, you know, him, him and PJ Tucker certainly. Um, they've given Portis that is sort a, of yeah. There you go. Those two guys are given that sort of grit to the Bucks that they maybe hadn't had in previous seasons. Also, yeah, Portis is a one year, isn't he? Yes, I think he's probably going to get paid. Uh, Priced out, yeah. It, it'll really depend on how things unfold and sort of... But yeah, I, it's tough to envisage. I mean, I can't recall the Bucks cap situation. I mean, we're so... You know, we're in the finals. What does it matter? Like, looking beyond that. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So, d- during the Suns... I, and I've, this comparison has just come into my mind you know, a surprise key piece that might be pricing themselves out of a return to the team. And the the circumstances are somewhat different because campaign only got his shot due to injury and like coming in just before the bubble or whatever, but it's kind of a similar situation that you wouldn't yeah. really expect this guy to just rise up out of nowhere. Like, not, I wouldn't say Portis was borderline out of the league because there's always going to no. be a place for his sort of guy compared to like, you know, campaign, at least the archetype is fairly a dime a dozen and especially undersized, but well, especially as well, like Porter, this, yeah, Porter's got picked up by nowhere. the Bucks. It wasn't like if I don't think it would have been the Bucks as the only team in the league seeking out Porter's on it. He earns like what three point five million. I think there would have been a line of teams that he probably picked. You know, if the if Porter's had been on like the Magic or or what or you know a team at the bottom of the league, it's like okay, he was. You can say it, it's fine. <laughs> the Pistons. <laughs> Maybe he wants to play with Kate Cunningham. I mean, maybe, maybe he does. You're going to have to pay him, though. I don't... <laughs> that, that would be a Pistons move to sign a former <laughs> puck for, for a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And the reverse, you'll probably sign Hamadou Diallo and he'll be the next star. I mean, that'd, that'd be great. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, so, yeah, I just thought it was interesting how Portis, like, kind of mirrors pain in that he's just kind of come out of nowhere to be that the difference like that because everyone game plans for Giannis and Milton and holiday, whatever. Yeah. But that just that like, yeah, the, the, the wild card. Yeah. It's something that bucks have probably lacked previously as well as the wild card capable of doing that in, in playoff games. Um, and that probably leans in a bit to, to Brook Lopez as well. Uh, his, his performance in game five, the 33 point night, but yeah. Um, I think, yeah. yeah. Portis as well, he probably gave a it's just like the, it just shows that those flyers on guys like that can pay off in, in, abs, in absolute spades like that for even for contending teams. 
Okay, we, we have to address it now um, because it's just staring at me on the sheet. Giannis's injury. Yep. So I made the point, I was discussing this with uh, some people today. Um, he's been ruled doubtful for game one, I believe. Yep. I'd be very, like, not surprisingly. I made the point that, you know, the first two games being in Phoenix, the, the Bucks are almost playing with house money. And I'd be very surprised personally if we saw him before game three, even if he was like, you know, could possibly play game two. Um, what's yep. your take? I mean, it's pretty incredible that we're even having this conversation. Like, firstly, um, given the injury, and I know that you probably wouldn't have sought out the video, but just given the sort of intensity <laughs> of the injury, and then so before you, secondly, before you go, on, the, before you go on, yeah. <laughs> so for anyone that might not know, I don't do great with injury footage. Um, for some blood, I can handle, but obvious like things that are pointing the wrong way is not my forte. But I actually did watch the video because I just stumbled onto it and like, as it happened, I was like, well, I've seen it now. So yeah, no, it didn't look, it didn't look great. No, uh, I don't think it helped that like Capella, like continued to tackle him <laughs> either. Um, but yeah, uh, firstly, given that, and then secondly, given that the Bucks still had to win two games at that point, um, that, that game in general, a bit, a bit of a wash as in, like, it's a, it's tough for teams to readjust if you lose superstar during a game like that. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I agree with you that I would say, I mean, it's it's tough to it's tough to say f- from this vantage point. I mean, he there were reports that he he probably would have played a game seven against the Hawks, and I tend to believe I I completely believe that he's pushing to play. Like that that just sounds like Giannis. But I I mean, I don't really know either way whether he's going to play. It's the finals, like. He probably shouldn't play game one, and he probably shouldn't play game two either. Like I said, the pressure is on the Suns to win, to go to Milwaukee up two zip. Exactly. And it's up to the Bucks to somehow, likely without Giannis, split those two. If they can just somehow get a game there somewhere, they're they're absolutely in the series with the potential for Giannis to come back in game three at home. I think that's like the dream scenario maybe if game one they're just they're just not there maybe there's there's pressure on the bucks to and Giannis feels that like he absolutely needs to play game two they absolutely need a game in phoenix to win the finals in general i'm sort of leaning towards that as well i, I feel like they need to get one of the first two i think that's how they need to win again like well yes because there's four in phoenix and three and yes <laughs> generally that's how it works yeah no, yes, I agree. Well, I, I'm just I, in in the same respect. I'm a big, big proponent of just get the series to two two and then play the last three. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of indecision, uh, sort of in my head going back and forth on that. But I would, yeah, I don't want to say if I was in charge, like this is what I do. But I feel the most comfortable with give the guys that won the conference finals the shot in Phoenix and then bring him back for game three. It'll give him another almost week of rest. Uh, again, a lot of this is assuming sort of the worst on his knee um, and not being, you know, uh, privy to the details behind the scenes um, of, of how he's traveling, how he's trained. Um, yeah. So yeah, it is tough in that respect to sort of, uh, make a prediction or like a, a take there. Um, it's just something that I've like, I'm not going to be surprised. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to be surprised if he plays, but also not going to be surprised if he not. I mean, like I, I know that's oh, like, yes, that. there, yep. is, there are those two, but well, like, you know what I mean? It's called beyond the fence, not on the fence. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of indecision. Yeah. But yeah, like, like you said, that sort of, quite unquote plan uh, where he would come back in game three. Um, especially it would be such a big boost as well. I think if the Bucks are somehow able to split those first two and then Giannis comes back for game three at home, the first finals game in Milwaukee for almost yep. 50 years, I think that would be huge yeah. um, in terms of the series overall as well. Yeah. Chris Middleton, what does he need to do 
especially in Giannis's absence. Like how, he obviously becomes the most important player. Yeah. But at what level do you think it like 35 points a game? Like he's obviously going to be the main focus for the Phoenix defense, but you know, yeah. just how important does he become? I think it's, I mean, I don't think the onus is on him to, to score 35. The way the Bucks have, like, obviously he, he has done that. Um, but he's to come out and done that sort of in a quick flamethrower fashion. Um, that big Nets game where he had 38 and then the unreal shot making um, in the Hawks series as well, where he had, what, 23 in a third, third quarter. He's like, he's, he's had 20 points in a quarter three times this postseason. It's just yeah, wild. Uh, well, I mean, I think he did it again, and then it said he joined the list of bucks to do that. Also on the list is Chris Middleton and Chris Middleton. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, obviously he's now the option A for the Bucks, and he needs to be making like it's. They're probably not a chance of, of splitting or possibly grabbing two games, <laughs> uh, winning yeah. games in Phoenix without him absolutely there. Um, yep. And, I mean, he has been – he generally does step up without Giannis. A lot of the – you know, he does get the usage somewhat. And like I said, the Bucks do play somewhat differently and it sort of leans – I think it may lean towards Middleton a bit. I think he's a bit more comfortable in that sense um, Yeah. without Giannis there. Yeah, I don't think his game changes too much without Giannis. I feel like it's sort of e- easier for him somewhat, the, the way the ball moves a bit more. Like, yeah. not to say that Giannis doesn't no, pass the ball to him, and he doesn't benefit from Giannis's gravity. But just given no, the way they play yep. the last two games. You, you said it, so it's fine. It's out there. You're <laughs> <laughs> just going to grab all these, like, three-second clips, and I'm going to be outed. I'm putting them straight onto Reddit, yes. I'm going to have to find a new team. yeah um more broadly on the rest of the team um and i guess the rest of the rotation so we're obviously you know Giannis, middleton holiday lopez and so they're the four sorry pj tucker pj tucker yep thank you um so that's your five Pat Connaughton's lifted these playoffs, but who else fills out that finals rotation on the bench? Well, I think the only other two that are capable of playing are Bobby Portis and Bryn Forbes. And even Forbes comes with a big asterisk there of he gets like two to three minutes to show he can make shots in that game and then he gets to stay in if he does and then you take him out if he doesn't. Yeah. But like, that's it for the buck. Like, that's that's the guys that can play and the guys that like, in, they can, they could absolutely put in. I don't think really Jeff Teague um, break glass in case in case of you know apocalypse. Well, I mean, yeah, that would be probably the only reason he plays ma- major minutes. Maybe he comes in if someone gets in foul trouble, like briefly. Like, oh, Thanasis will get put in for spot twenty second possessions where he needs to defend and they they need to save somebody from foul trouble. But like, yeah, it's those seven plus one guys really yep. that the Bucks are hinging their hopes on. Um, You're not putting in slimmer for debt. I mean, I'd love to, but he's just, I mean, there, there are points where he won't even get to, he doesn't even get to play in the beginning of garbage time. He has to wait for like Connaughton to come out and then he comes in. Sam Merrill, obviously. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think the, the Suns definitely have a bit more depth, but they're much more yeah, the, like the, Bucks teams have passed where they, they have like 10, 11 guys that can play. Um, so they have sort of the luxury of throwing a couple of different guys and getting it like at the Bucks and seeing what, what can and can't work where the Bucks are sort of locked into the, yeah. these guys and they, there's sort of a certain way they may need to win. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's move on to the matchup with the Suns. And I guess the, the obvious question, the first question is uh, who guards Devin Booker from the from the Bucks? Is is it PJ Tucker? I think it has to be PJ Tucker. Um, just he's going to be in his face, making it difficult. Saw so PJ Tucker guard Trey Young for stretches of the end of the series, and certainly 
and obviously his work on KD in the the semifinals, highly notable. Um, I, yeah, there is a case to put Middleton on Booker as well, but yeah. I think over sort of there may not be as much. Uh, you, you've got PJ Tucker for a reason. Put him on Booker and let yeah, him go yeah. to work is sort of like the yeah. Yeah. So obviously, Drew takes Chris Paul. That's a no, no brainer. The the question the question for me the interesting one is Giannis and Lopez. So yeah, DeAndre Ayton's really elevated his game in the playoffs. Do you stick Lopez on him and hope that he can hold even, or do you put Giannis on Ayton and maybe hide Lopez on someone like Mikal Bridges? Which is really you yeah, know, yeah, that's interesting. As, as, like, yeah, it's it's a real pick your poison scenario almost. I feel like Lopez is the sort of guy, like if anybody's going to be effective on Aiton, like Lopez is the sort of guy that to be able to do it, like he's you know seven foot tall as well. And he has the, the strength um, to do that. Like you've got a, yeah. granted Aiton has had good games against the Bucks in the past. Um, but yeah, I'm not, Giannis, I don't know about that. Like, Well, here's, okay. Well, here's my other, here's the, other, the flip side of that. So I, to me, anyway, as a neutral observer, the, the Suns' uh, strengths on offense from a Bucks perspective kind of line up where they can almost have the luxury of not resting Giannis on defense, but, you know, he probably will end up guarding, uh, you know, for large stretches, someone like Bridges or, you know, yeah. whoever that fifth starter on the Suns is, uh, uh, Jay Crowder. Well, he's a help so, defender as well. Like, you... You have yeah, him on yeah. those guys, and then when Aiton has the ball, Giannis is up there swarming as like as well. Yeah, so it's almost worth not putting Giannis on Aiton just to you know, if anything, say fouls. Well, yeah, that as well. I mean, he won Defensive Player of the Year as playing free safety. Like that's the the defensive quote unquote position that he plays the best at. Yep. Um, and I guess from a flip side, so obviously. Uh, you've got the luxury of doing the second version of this, so I can tell you what the Phoenix side is thinking uh, with David. Um, he's His plan for guarding Giannis, at least to use your phrase, if he was in charge, and yep. I guess the, the trend is in transition uh, scenarios for Jay Crowder to pick him up, and then you know once he goes inside to scram switch and have DeAndre Ayton pick him up. Yeah, Thoughts. I think, well, I mean, Aiton is certainly probably the guy you want just in terms of, like, stopping Giannis getting to the rim. I think of those guys, like the Suns personnel, Aiton might be the disruptor there. I mean, it it is a tough ask. In, like, they're talking about in, I say they talk, like, the talk is that you, that you need to make a wall to stop Giannis. Um, yep. They're I don't know like how, him. yeah, I don't know how well the Suns are going to be able to do that or whether they feel like it's, it's hard to tell us. It's hard to say as well, given that we don't know where Giannis is at, like how many, how many percent is he going to be of Giannis? Is he going to be 70? Is he going to be 80? <laughs> what, what percentage is he? Is that what you meant? <laughs> yeah. yeah no, that as no, well. Like, what do we, yeah. what do we get? I think that, that might also like, not that I guess that would also be playing with house money, I guess, from the Suns perspective. Yeah, um, like obviously they're going to have a plan for Giannis. It's every team that comes up against him does. Um, I think that's it. That makes sense. Um, yeah, trying to remember. Like, well, while you think about that, I'm just going <laughs> to throw this next one. Well, I'm going to throw this one on you as well, and it kind of lines up in a yep. more broad sense it, as a, I guess, a more casual. Watcher of the Suns, at least in your mind, what would you view their weaknesses and uh, weaknesses as that you that the Bucks could attack or exploit? Oh, I thought you were going to throw it the other way that I was going to say like the um, Bucks drop coverage might struggle against the Suns. Um... Well, I was going to say, <laughs> you're throwing me on the spot strength. with it. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, start with strengths, and then while you do that, you can panic think about I mean, you're throwing can... these all on me. 
You had a chance to look at the sheet. You, you did a whole Suns podcast talking about it. I'm just, I'm here for the buck. No. <laughs> I often the same thing. Relax. Oh, yeah. David was able to answer it. He's a very smart man. <laughs> nah, come on. Well, okay. We'll start with the, str- what do you think the Bucks will struggle with then? So from a Phoenix side. I, yeah, I think the Bucks might struggle. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how they figure out sort of the one five uh, Chris Paul and Aiton um, saw it previously with Trey Young and Capella, sort of that lob slash floater threat right. where it's, it's, yep. a, it's a little bit different with the Suns, obviously Chris Paul getting to the elbows. Yep. Um, I mean, traditionally the Bucks want you to take that shot, but then it, it's Chris Paul, like he's going to make a significant, percentage of those how are you going Especially to in a drop zone where they'll be he'll be you know more yeah. or less open like lopez is going to have to make a lot of decisions like as he as he did he, he started playing a little higher in the hawk series but yeah that's probably one of the more intriguing things to me is how the bucks sort of figure that out that also could lose them the series that could definitely win the suns series i think um just that mismatch like it could be that simple um okay so yeah Again, you've got the benefit of not hindsight, but you know, knowing your opponent. Um, Bobby Portis was brought up as someone like an X Factor purely because the Suns don't really have that one guy that can guard him, which sounds ridiculous to say if you told someone <laughs> six months ago, but <laughs> I mean if you tell someone a month ago, that's insane. <laughs> Two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, the, the the Suns are scared of Bobby Portis, and oh, rightfully so. But Bobby Portis finals MVP. Well, okay. Have you got any weaknesses that uh, from the Suns that the Bucks can exploit? You, you've had time. To I mean, think. frankly, I don't. I don't watch the Suns enough. Like that's the they played on the off days of the Bucks. I'm not a like. <laughs> I have the games on. Usually, I'm yeah. doing something else. That's for Bud to work out. <laughs> well, I'm like, okay. Perfect segue. The coaching battle between Monty and Bud. Who who have you got I mean, winning it? It's. Tough to not pick against Bud in that one. Like, <laughs> it's it's tough oh, yeah, to not know, pick. Monty, yeah. Team Monty. I don't think maybe the Net series would have been the only one where it's I would have taken Bud. Bud in the coaching but, advantage. But in but in the coaching advantage, like you, most of the players I mean, series like last year's finalists, the Heat. So you know, yeah. I mean, Spolstra was a huge part of. Completely out coach Bud in the bubble. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, last time I was on, I was, well, I spoke about Monty and Nate McMillan last time. Um, you did. Yeah. At praise to McMillan. Oh, geez, that, that age, great. Um, <laughs> both of those takes saying Monty should have won coach of the year and Nate McMillan should have had more votes. Uh, it's, a, it's a shame if, like I said last time, it's a shame if Nate McMillan. What is probably won't win coach of the year next year for this year's um, performance. Well, as we said last time, you know, the regular season awards include the regular season and the previous season's playoffs, just from a narrative perspective and just they the do, voters' minds. I feel as so, well with, with coach of the year somewhat, it is people do look for last year's regular season record to this year's regular season record. Yep. And so that like, yeah, but no, that is correct. Just one more thing before we move on to, I guess, some quick hitting questions to end. The Bucks three-point shooting. Tell Terrible. me about it. Uh, it is inconceivable how badly they have shot from three, like in general in playoff games, like over the last sort of stretch with the honest, but this year in particular, they've shot like, I think they're the worst shooting team from three since like the 0-4 Pistons, which is just incredible. Like, I think that pisses the shot, shot like, on just a legitimate stat. Like 14 threes a game, I think. That, I think I'm recalling like a tweet I saw. So uh, hopefully it was accurate. But yeah, the Bucks <laughs> are. Yeah, it's not even like a particularly like shot quality or spacing issue. It's they're missing wide open threes. And it's just they've made these playoffs. So it's firstly incredible that they've shot that badly and made it this far. And then secondly, it's, it's, it's just hard to believe that they can shoot that badly. 
and continue to shoot that badly and there hasn't been any form of regression like these aren't bad shooters it's like obviously Giannis is going to drag particularly at the start of the playoffs where he was just lobbing three after three <laughs> um but then you've got guys like obviously Bryn Forbes I think he's he's shooting like 30 37 percent from three um and he's like the only guy shooting above league average from three um I think Connaughton might be like the second best buck. Um, Just in general, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like well, no, Drew yeah. has struggled. Uh, even like obviously Middleton has the volume, but I, I think he's only barely above thirty-three percent. Yeah, well, the Bucks. I feel like they have a lot of like teams will go through slumps in game. Bucks have slumps that go for multiple games at a time. Yeah. And then it just sort of drops and then Chris Middleton scores 20 in four minutes. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, if they can somehow get some form of regression over the finals, I think it, it's going to go a little bit better than expected, but it's just so hard to like bank on that at this point. Like the math has failed us for the first <laughs> 17 games of the playoffs. Like what is going to happen in the, so many times they've started one for one for ten, two for ten from three, and it just hasn't really improved until garbage time. They finish the game shooting under twenty five percent from three. Like that's a negative outlier. Like yeah. it's it's becoming a point where it's not even an outlier for the Bucks. It's just going <laughs> to happen. Yeah, shooting average would be the outlier. You know, you're either asking for positive regression <laughs> or divine intervention. Yes. Uh, all right, let's just do a couple of quick ones to finish. How important do you think the home court advantage for Phoenix will be? Um, yeah, see, that's interesting because uh, as a um, you brought up Because they will have Suns in four guy there. You know that. I mean, yeah. And he's selling I mean, his he merch in Denver, now. doesn't he? Or was that in Phoenix? No, that was in Denver. It was in Denver. I mean, it's hard to believe he's not going to be there, isn't it? I mean, yes. They will pay, I mean, if there's any, pay for there's, tickets. It seems to me that like, Suns fans are fighting everyone now. I saw multiple clips <laughs> of like Suns fans brawling with the Clippers. And I'm, <laughs> I, hope, I hope the Bucks fans are ready to throw hands because it seems like it's going to happen. <laughs> if there's a fan base that's got that beer fighting ready, it's the Bucks. <laughs> um, but, yes, but yeah, as I said, it. like the certainly it's going to help Phoenix. I, I mean, how could, it, how could it not? If the Bucks had it. Um, but then it's also, uh, like I said, the, the fact that the first two games are in Phoenix, sort of a silver lining for the Bucks that they are terrible in game one, but it, but adjust for game two. And then the fact that they need time for Giannis to get healthy. Yeah. It probably would have been, it's probably a little, I mean, it, again, you would rather home court, but it's not as bad as it. Yeah, there, there is some form of silver lining that you get that free swing initially. That said, yep. if the Bucks are down two zip and then you know the, the pressure is back on them, un- unbelievably. Um, yep. So I guess yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one to answer given sort of the circumstances surrounding Giannis. Um, yeah. Well, speaking of Giannis, what happens if the Bucks uh, have the home court and then you know, the, I guess it all just compounds, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, You've got the I, pressure, you've got Giannis. Although, or do you rush him back, gets hurt again? Exactly. Like a lot of hypotheticals. That would, that would be curtains. Um, a, a lot of like the, the talk about this series is predicated on the fact that Giannis is going to be able to play some of it. If you've got Giannis for none of, or none slash, you know, not making any A survival game five, for like, for example. Yeah. Um, that's like Phoenix are heavy favorites already given you know i would i might have might have even lent towards them as favorites with Giannis healthy so like <laughs> it doesn't help at all in that sense so in yeah. <laughs> sort of the never trust the bucks mindset i like that they've, they've got hey, there we are they've got that free swing of the two games uh they just 45 need to take... minutes in and we finally got to never trust the bucks <laughs> i mean it was just, it's just a given i mean they're in the finals and we're saying never trust them it's just you know <laughs> It's the first well, thing you, I'm going to say if, yeah. if they win a title. So we were, yeah, I was ta- we were talking during game six and, the, you know, the Bucks were up big, but then Phoenix started coming back. Uh, Phoenix, Atlanta started coming back. Oh, can um, we be up on uh, Phoenix, please? And I was, 
up. Yeah, and I, and I was and I was saying, you know, trust the Bucks when they're up twenty. And then you said, oh, if this this is the the biggest never trust the Bucks moment. If they start like when they started coming back, if the Atlanta wins this, this is the biggest never trust the Bucks moment ever. You said when you when you messaged me, they're up eighteen, and I just replied nervous hours because I knew it was going to be like they weren't going to win by thirty, and they were going to win by ten, and it was going to be awful the whole way, which it was. <laughs> That was and the um, fact that was a that was a game six. It wasn't even game seven. <laughs> yeah. Game seven um, was gonna be a Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh penultimate question, who on the Bucks needs to lift? Uh Giannis's knee, please. <laughs> the medical stuff. Who needs to uh all the role players from three. Um it's tough for me to say Connaughton lift because he's been incredible. Um, but yeah, like the role players need to lift. I Hopefully Drew Holiday shooting. If he can have a, I don't want to say hot, but if he can have what he did in the regular season shooting splits, I think the Bucks are in good stead. Um, a lot of it's sort of connects to, to the shooting. Um, if we yeah. can get a Brook Lopez that we got, in the last two games of the Eastern Conference Finals, I think the Bucks are looking pretty good as well, particularly offensively in the middle. Um, if they can rebound like they did in those two games, um, yep. particularly against Aiton. Yeah, and because the, uh, the defense uh, in, oh, I was just going to say that you know the Bucks' defense yeah. in general this postseason has kept them in. That's why they're still. That's why they're still here. That's why they're still playing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I guess, you know, obvious question to finish off. Who has who your Bucks playoffs MVP so far been? I think I think you have to give it to Chris Middleton, just given yep. the, the moments. Um, you know, he he gave us the chance to see Giannis again in this playoffs. Um, in general, you know, Giannis, especially in the Nets series, incredible uh, performance from him. Was averaging like 35 points a game in that series. Um, but it's hard not to give it to Middleton. Um, that's It's been a postseason of moments. A lot of a lot of the guys in the Bucks roster have had their moments. Yep. Uh, Brooke, like I said, Brooke Lopez had that 33-point game five. Middleton's had those three 20-point quarters. Uh, Drew hit huge shots against the Nets. Uh, Connaughton, big threes in the Hawks series. Porter. Yeah, Portis had his game. Uh, Bryn Forbes was Bryn Forbes scored more points in the first round than Jimmy Butler. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thanasis yeah, has had big possessions. Yeah. Yeah, building on Jeff, Te- Jeff Teague scored eleven points in an Eastern Conference Finals game. <laughs> um, building on from that, I guess then, if the Bucks win, who's like who's the Bucks Finals MVP then? If the Bucks are winning, probably Arnis. I mean, I, I guess. I think, yeah, if the Bucks win the title, it probably it's going to be Giannis. But I think yeah, so Chris not, not who Drew. the voters will give it to, because they'll yeah. obviously give it to Giannis. You'd think. Um, and I don't even know. Well, David, David it really depends like, on. So yeah, so Nash threw out um, uh, Aiton, even though yeah. it would, and we both agreed it would be an Iguodala level Finals MVP if Aiton won it. Well, I mean, if Aiton's good enough to win. If Aiton is the finals MVP, like the sons of, yeah. If, or if he plays like that, even not necessarily, yeah. like, I know, I know what you mean about it. He'd not necessarily get given it. But like if he plays like it, the sons of won yeah, the series yeah, yeah. easily, I think. Yeah. But yeah. On the Bucks side, Middleton, you reckon? Yeah. I think Middleton. Yeah. Um, just given that you don't know where Giannis is at, like obviously all things being healthy, this question is Giannis close the book. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> but yeah, given the circumstances, um, it would be incredible there, if Drew could play to that. I was going to say, if there, is there a reasonable route where Drew wins it for defense? Oh, I don't. I mean, he would have to be. I mean, maybe that is an Iguodala thing. If he holds Chris yeah. Paul to twenty points, um, well, it, you know, it's, it's tough comes to see that. that key block in Game Seven. Did you see his his defense on the Bogdan? Uh, Bogdanovich corner three. That was incredible. No. Okay, so... Oh, I was going to bring up Bogdan. <laughs> what if he was on the Bucks now? I mean, if he was a... That's the sort of... Yeah, I mean... Sliding doors. Sliding doors. 
Um, it's. You I mean, not, yeah, you wouldn't have. Didn't expect to play against him in the conference games. finals. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be great if um, the Sacramento Kings' own Dante DiVincenzo was uh, healthy for this series as well. He's been a sort of a big loss for the Bucks, given just his effect on the rotation down the line. Yeah. Um, just having another guy that sort of hashtag does stuff. Um, yeah. Certainly but helps no, when me, the game. About, yeah. No, sorry. You finish. And then tell me about Tanasis' defense. Okay. Yeah. When the games get more gritty and more scrappy, I think a guy like Dante certainly comes into it. Um, but yes, Tanasis' defense on Bogdanovich. He wasn't even, he wasn't the primary defender on. So it's a, it's a Bogdan corner three. I can't remember who the primary defender is, but they're in the face. And then Thanasis is standing at like the elbow and then he just jumps. That was the thing I sent you. I, I think I sent it to you when it's like, when you forget which player you're controlling on 2K. Yeah. Oh, no, I do know what you mean now. Sorry. Yeah. As soon as you said that last bit, I realized what you're talking about. Yes. When he, he jumped, it like I there's believe- a famous clip from... Uh, someone I forget who it is, but it's yeah, very famous where they they jump from, like to to contest a three point shot from like basically the key. <laughs> yes, no, no, I do know what you mean now. Yeah, I just didn't realize that's what you were referring to. Um, let's wrap this up. Where where can our avid listener uh, follow you? They can follow me at Tim uh, Ray W R A Y. Is that the only place they can follow you? Yes, that's the only place they can follow me. <laughs> um, and as always, you can follow me at Ben S. Quag. It's Q U A G. Uh, you can follow the podcast at Beyond T Fence on Twitter uh, and beyondthefence.com.au. Obviously, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Uh, leave a review if that's your thing. Um, other than that, thank you for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. Thanks. <laughs>